Hi everyone and Happy New Year. The sales and buying productivity gains held over the last two years are expected to rapidly increase as we move into 2022. Welcome to Take the Lead, a podcast from LinkedIn Sales Solutions. I'm Tim Grogan. I head the ANZ and key accounts business for Asia Pacific for LinkedIn Sales Solutions. And with me is my co-host for this episode, Alana. Thanks, Tim. I'm Alana Britton, Head of Enterprise for LinkedIn Sales Solutions ANZ. This series aims to empower senior leaders with LinkedIn's data, insight and information to help you navigate the ever-changing business and digital landscape. So this is episode two, Kickstarting 2022, Strategy and Skills. Now we split this up into three parts. Number one, setting strategies for success in 2022. Alana and I will share our strategic overview for our respective teams, what we're focusing on for this year. Number two, digital skills are the new currency and which skills will matter the most as sales digitization rapidly increases. Number three, how marketing and sales can go further in 2022. Fraser McNaughton, Chief Marketing Officer at Grant Thornton Australia, shares his insights for aligning sales and marketing teams to deliver richer customer experiences. Wherever you're listening, subscribe to Take the Lead. Get the latest episodes and updates as they happen. You can also follow our LinkedIn Sales Solutions page to access our Take the Lead blog series. Search for LinkedIn Sales Solutions on LinkedIn. Okay, Alana, I'm really excited to dig in and, and really learn from you as to what you've observed, you know, in 2021. And as we start the year strong in 2022, when we start to think of like our growth and how businesses might be thinking of their go-to-market strategies, their own growth strategies, what would be one of the sort of main reflections you've had and perhaps what you're doubling down on uh, with your team there in ANZ? I think we're having the realisation like many of our clients are, that growth within our current client base is really where we ought to be focusing. So going deeper and wider within our accounts. But of course, as the previous episode mentioned, the great reshuffle is wreaking havoc with that strategy and is something that we have to actively plan for. It's so interesting. You know, I think a lot of people have defined who their personas were and historically perhaps that has been where they've engaged and all of their efforts have been and strategies focused on those. What I'm hearing from you is the need to sort of broaden that out and perhaps what identify other personas within that customer and perhaps reevaluate what that buying circle is. Yeah, absolutely. I think the personas are expanding, but more than that, people are moving around a lot more than before. So 39% of people have moved roles. It is predicted that is only going to increase this year. So with that kind of disruption, there are a few things we need to focus on, at least within my team, around stakeholder tracking and stakeholder engagement. So it's interesting if we're seeing that kind of movement, you know, in the customer base, we're saying that part of your strategy needs to be like defining more personas. We need to be investing more time to build these relationships. Does that also mean that within sales teams today, within companies who are actively trying to represent a product or a service, that their own people potentially could be moving as well and that could be impacting business growth? I think no one is immune to the great reshuffle as people reevaluate uh, what they want to do for work, how they would like to work, where they want to be. And so we also have to look within our own talent and how we can retain that talent and how we can progress that talent and invest in that talent so that they remain with us. 
and also have an action plan when they do move as to how we safeguard our business for business continuity reasons. Yeah, so de-risking is, is what I'm hearing is going to be really important. And you know, I'd probably love to learn more on some of those tactics to sort of execute that. Is there anything top of mind that you think is helpful or, or, or something you've observed that you think is going to be really meaningful in the way people can retain talent today? Yeah, I think you've got to put your generational lens on here. There's going to be much more of a focus on developing a robust digital engagement strategy, as a lot of us have been working from home. And because the generation that we are selling to, which is millennials, has a preference for digital interaction and face-to-face meetings are going to be a lot less frequent and much further down in the sales cycle. Uh, It isn't just COVID that's created this permanent shift. It's certainly a generational issue and I'm a millennial and I know that's hard for me to say because I feel like the millennial generation have been welled on a lot over a long time, but I have to say I am naturally discerning. I screen calls. If I don't have a number saved, it goes to message. I'll call back if I want. I rarely answer the phone if I don't know the caller. And a lot of my friends that are my age are the same. And as a result of that, we naturally screen calls. We naturally are discerning when it comes to engagement and we value transparency and trustworthiness, but we need that digital interaction first before we're willing to go face-to-face and meet people. So as a result, I feel like if that's happening from a generational point of view, organizations need to do a much better job of understanding those people or that, that generation that's moving into the buying, uh, to into decision-making roles. That's fascinating insight and thank you for the personal share as well. I was wondering why you weren't picking up some of my phone calls. All jokes aside, I, it's interesting when we look at the sales teams today and historically we've kind of seen that there's been an individual contributor who's been perhaps the rainmaker within a business. There's a bit of thought leadership around now the importance of team selling and how do you actually foster deeper relationships across an organisation perhaps to de-risk. What's your reflections or your observations of this and, and what do you think is going to be important in 2022? Yeah, we have this saying at LinkedIn that selling is a team sport. It's been around a little while. I live in the world of enterprise and I can tell you it is a complex multi-stakeholder world that is ever-growing. So one account manager can no longer manage those types of relationships or that volume of relationship. And so in order to keep engaged with clients and, and bring value to clients, we need to work in teams. In, at LinkedIn, we are investing in a pod structure here or a pod selling But even utilizing your CSM to build additional relationships within accounts at various levels is going to be key to being able to sell into enterprise or beyond enterprise accounts and customers. We've experienced here at LinkedIn that it's no longer a matter of one single account manager, but instead pairing up at multiple levels stakeholders within your own business so that they can also go deeper and wider within your client base. And that may mean, for example, Tim, you might be engaging with someone at a VP level, that I might be engaging with middle management, that my relationship manager will be engaging sort of on the end user side of things or the director level potentially. And then you might have the customer success manager engaging with the C-suite on strategic initiatives. So there's lots of different ways that you can multi-thread or develop multiple relationships within an organization. And I think team selling is really here to stay and is something that is going to become even more prominent as we go into 2022 and beyond. 
so fascinating hearing and just the, the, the level of thought in the way we're sort of managing some of those relationships across that business. It does make me wonder how important planning is, you know, with the start of the year. And do you see that some of this is built into a plan? I'd love to maybe get some visibility on that for our listeners. Oh, absolutely. I think you can't execute in sales anymore without a plan. And of course, what's really important within that plan is making sure that you are referring to the right data sets and that they are current data sets and that they are integrating within other data sets that you own. So a part of planning is being evidence-based and using the best data available to you within your organization to make sure that you are prioritizing the accounts that you can add value to the most um, and that you have a good product fit or service fit with. And, And planning is definitely a part of that, no doubt. Yeah, just on that that whole data and that you know we're seeing a huge explosion of data sets. And you mentioned using data to prioritize what is the right opportunity, perhaps the right account. There's terms now of insight by selling. Anything you could share there that that would help others understand how valuable it is? Because one of the things I've heard around personalization now is really really important. How do we use data in that way to help our customers understand the value proposition? Yeah, I think that data has been harvested or or collected by many organizations over many years. In fact, there's probably too much data out there. And so one of the things that are key if you're going to draw insights from that data is making sure that it integrates uh, with one another and that you can curate it in a way that is meaningful to you and that you can actually draw insights that allow you to plan against that data. So an example of that would be maybe how many engagements you've had with customers in the past where you've been able to get them on board, uh, whether it relates to the success of your pilot programs, whether it's vertical specific, you're trying to reimagine what your territory planning is or what your go-to-market is. And accordingly, you want to have a look at how you've been successful in different verticals or different industries. Data is really at the core of that. And anyone who isn't uh, referring to data is probably sort of blindly walking in the dark there. But more important than that, I suppose, is if you have lots of different data sets, then you need to be able to get them to speak to one another and integrate with one another so you can get a really rich understanding of your market and of your customer base. It's such an interesting conversation. We start talking about data and the insights and how we can help our customers make better decisions. It starts to make me think around what are the key skills, you know, the modern salesperson needs? How are they communicating when they think of all the digital forums and channels that they're utilizing today to engage with both new and existing customers? You know, what are these skills that that are going to be hot in 2022? I'd love to explore that more with you, Alana. And also, I'd love to introduce a guest, Fraser McNaughton, CMO from Grant Thornton and president of Icon APAC. Welcome, uh, Fraser. First question probably on everyone's lips is, what is Icon? Uh, thank you, Tim and Alana. Thanks for having me. Yeah, look, Icon APAC are effectively the, the industry body for all professional services, marketers, salespeople, comms experts in Asia Pacific. We've got over 3,000 members across the region of wonderfully talented individuals. And I have the absolute honor of, of representing them at the moment. Amazing, Fraser. Well, I'd love to get your view on the skill set required now in the B2B space, because I feel like we've gone through quite a significant transformation, particularly within the sales profession, at least from what I have noted. You've been kicking around a little longer than I. You would remember the days when B2B selling was less about skills and more about the relationships that you'd built and retained. What's changed? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I, I'll go back to my, my first job as a, as a salesperson and I, I was cold calling 
picking up the phone, butterflies in the tummy, making endless calls to people I didn't know in the hope that they would bite or nibble uh, what it was that we were trying to sell. And and, and obviously the way we do that has changed. Uh, we now have tech that can, can do it for us. Uh, but the process is exactly the same. Um, and that's the funny part. We're, we're actually taking away through the technology and the processes that we've built, we're taking away a lot of the pain points um, that have been in place in, in the sales and marketing process for, for years and years. Yeah, I, it's funny you mentioned your first job. I remember going for roles earlier in my career when it was all about the relationships you brought to the role. That would be in the job description. I'd be sitting there with the paper in front of me and it would say, you need to have C-suite relationships within this industrial vertical to go for this job. Now we've completely moved away from that because we know it's no longer a single decision maker, isn't it, that you need to win over. It's a lot more a lot more people that you need to be able to get across in order to really impact a, a deal or, or uh, engage in the customer relationship. What have you seen in that respect? What hasn't changed is that relationship building, though, that human touch. You know, I, I talk about this a lot. Technology, marketing, content will take you to, to a certain spot within, the, within an engagement or an opportunity. But that human touch is the piece that gets it across the line and it's never going to change. So it's finding that balance, that mix um, of how you get the balance of sort of non-human versus human. Uh, that's where the most successful companies that we certainly see and I see uh, are getting the results at the moment. I 100% agree with you. I think from a LinkedIn lens, luckily we are fortunate enough to see what skills are in demand this year and potentially beyond. And and if we look at the hard skills, there's no surprise that they're all very technical in nature, like AI and Java or, or potentially SQL. But the soft skills uh, have changed a fair bit. And you talk about relationship building. And I think what has changed is how you build that relationship. It's no longer about being likable, although I think that is important. It's really around what we're seeing as problem solving, curiosity, um, what is one that stands out you know, uh, being able to understand our customers' business and being able to actively or co-create solutions with them and partner with them. So the skill set of a salesperson now is a lot broader, I think, than it was previously. And there's a lot more uh, depth that they need to have in terms of understanding business challenges and being able to align to those. So Alana, I 100% agree. Uh, at Grant Thornton, we talk about that as care. Uh, that's very much the mantra of how we do things. And, and what we mean by care is, it's not giving our clients a cuddle. Uh, it's actually getting deeper to understand the challenges that they're facing. Um, not so long ago, we did some research, our own research, to, to really understand the, the decision-making of CEOs that would buy professional services and what was important to them the most. And they came back with three things that align with what you've just said. Third was understand my business, understand the challenges, understand my aspirations, uh, and come to me uh, with, you know, uh, you know, challenge my model, challenge my thinking. Um, that, that was important to them. Two is understand my industry. Tell me what other companies are doing, um, how they're facing up to the challenges ahead. You look beyond the horizon uh, on my behalf in industry and, and demonstrate that you totally understand my industry. Really important to them. But really interestingly, the most important thing, which I believe we'll see double down post-pandemic, You've got to show that you can culturally align. Values and purpose-based organisations are becoming more and more important. You know, the ability for our people and our teams to understand what that means and how you demonstrate that uh, becomes more important. And that's a skill. Um, it's a skill that we've probably never thought of before. But I think now, uh, as we look ahead post-pandemic, 
the world has changed, it's shifted, things have become more important for, 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 for individuals, never mind companies. So our ability to connect culturally is incredibly important if you're going to be successful for long-term relationships. So interesting you say, so understand business, understand my industry, culturally align with what we believe in here, and that is really what's important. Interestingly, I think I read a stat that 77% of executive buyers don't believe that salespeople understand their business well enough. I think this whole idea that you know you really need to demonstrate that you know me is really important. And I have a hypothesis, and I'd love to sort of hear your views on this, is that there's a step beyond that in my mind, which is how can you then help me outside of even the, maybe the product or the service that you're offering? How can you transfer some form of knowledge that's going to help my business in the way that perhaps is going to improve me as a leader? And I feel like that investment into me is becoming perhaps a bit more apparent in the way people were starting to sort of differentiate a, a sort of a service offering outside of maybe the core products or solutions that they represent. I'd love to get your reflections on that. For me, that's where the, the big client experience piece comes in. So for our organization, you know, the majority of our connections with clients are at the CFO level. So, you know, we have to deliver an audit, but it actually goes beyond that. That's the compliance aspect. What we're trying to do is understand, okay, what's happening in that CFO's life at that point? How are they getting viewed by their peers, by their board? And how do we make it easy for them to stand out and look great in front of their own people? That's not part of the compliance work. That, that's very much putting ourselves in the shoes of our client and caring, uh, definitely caring for them and their success, which is very much back to the CX lens. So again, companies that are investing in CX and journey mapping and understanding what's important to their clients and then changing the way and adapting the way that you produce that service, those companies are going to be really successful and they're going to be able to differentiate in the marketplace, in my view. And it's interesting, when you look at high performers who are able to manage really sophisticated customer relationships, they're intuitively doing that. But if we go back to some of the points Alana made of like, what is the new skill in 2022? And how do you identify that skill knowing that the great reshuffle and talent is now becoming, there's a war for talent. This is going to make, I think, certain individuals who can model this or do this really well, an unbelievable asset and perhaps highly in demand going forward, because it's not easy to execute on. No, 100%. And we certainly have a, a you know an ethic in our team where we are, we're constantly learning and we're constantly developing and we all work in a, an, an industry that's incredibly fast-paced um, and you've got to keep up, you've got to adapt your thinking, change your thinking, you've got to help develop that within your teams. Um, so we are seeing, for example, marketers moving more into sales, if you like, although you could argue they're one of the same thing these days anyway. Uh, we're seeing salespeople move into more CX uh, elements of the role. They're, they're adapting and changing as to where their passions are. Um, and if you can, you can allow that to happen and transition, well, it's a great thing for your people to learn and grow. So interesting you say that, Fraser, as we see a lot of those roles at the top combining the entire customer experience from marketing to sales to CX so that they can better holistically understand their clients and what their needs are. 100% Alana and, and you know I think again post pandemic you know my view is that how marketing salespeople within organizations B2B organizations are being viewed now is I don't think we'll ever have a point where we've been seen as more integral through the work that we've done to help connect businesses to clients through the pandemic how quickly we transitioned to 
to virtual webinars and events to keep that connection going and, and, and all the wonderful other things that we can do. So we're in a place at the moment as a skill set you know, where I think we're going to be more and more desired. Problem, the challenge is that is, is, is there enough people to go around um, when you're looking for that talent that you want to get? Especially in Australia right now where we're, we're finding it difficult to import talent as well. <laughs> And Fraser, from a LinkedIn perspective, we're seeing that critical thinking, problem solving, resiliency, negotiation and inclusivity are some of the top soft skills that are in demand right now within the market. Are you seeing similar things or something quite different? Yeah, look, it's interesting. We're, we're, we're midway through developing our new content strategy and, and you talk about that inclusivity piece. Uh, absolutely huge now you know we're looking at our content to make, to make sure it's inclusive for all and we're coming from a place where quite honestly we own the vast majority of our content came from a male tone of voice so understanding that and how you connect that to all your customers and all your people quite frankly is is is, is really important so you know those comms experts that are just great at doing that uh, enjoy writing it can you know take an idea out of somebody's head and then you know, write a piece that it's inclusive, but it's insightful as well. Those people are, you know, really important in organizations going forward. I think you've touched on the data piece, Alana, people that understand data um, and from a marketing sales CX point of view, those people are, are gold in, in terms of how we can develop insights, tailor the way we connect with clients, etc. cetera. Uh, people that can build campaigns from point to point, um, not just from a marketing lens, but all the way through to how we're getting an ROI for those campaigns. So showcasing that marketing knowledge, digital knowledge, as well as the sales knowledge. Those people, uh, I think, are going to be in high demand. Lead generation experts, you know, the tech experts that build the algorithms that sit behind our lead generation models. Those people are, are going to be in high demand. There's not a huge amount of talent there in, in the market at the moment. And for those that are there, it's a, it's a, really, it's a race to... To, to try and find them early and bring them into your organisations. It's definitely a challenge for leaders in Australia this year. And it feels like we're getting more niche in those skill sets. You need to really invest quite heavily in them to become an expert. And so that probably also contributes to the issue of being able to find these people. And interesting, you talk around, you know, being more inclusive. I mean, I imagine there's a big push as well in hiring for diverse perspectives. Uh, more diverse than previously has been at least... Would you agree with that? Yeah, I do. Uh, 100% do. And, and I'm part of a company that, that's right at the, the you know, top of our priority list is, is attracting um, more female talent, um, quite honestly, to our, to our organisation. Uh, for our team, it's, 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 it's the opposite problem. Uh, you know, we've, we, are, we are heavily female-based, probably 90% of our team's female. And I would suggest that would be very similar for a lot of B2B marketing teams as well. So that, you know, that is a slightly different challenge there. But even that point you made around the sort of specialist roles, 100% that's a challenge. But we can't forget, we still need generalists too. We still need people that can look broadly and holistically across the whole marketing and sales gambit. Uh, they are still vitally important people. These are the people, the glue that bring it all together. So it's again, it's finding the right mix and it's finding the mix of what you bring in physically into your team versus that hybrid model where you may be using consultancies or, or the likes are outsourced to support some of that as well. That's a constant challenge, I would imagine, for leaders going forward as well. well thank you so much, Alana and Fraser. I think that was such an informative discussion uh, around the evolution of, of the roles and uh, the future calibre of talent that we're going to need in our organisations. 
I'd really love now to turn the conversation towards marketing and sales alignment and really pick up on one of the interesting comments, which is that, Fraser, you're seeing almost like a convergence of, of marketing and sales as the way they come together. It's been my observation, there's still some work to be done between the two functions. And I'd love to sort of hear from you firsthand, what's your observations and where do you see the trend going in 2022? I've personally been there in my head for a long time. I mean, I have the title CMO, but probably isn't the right title because I, you know, I come from a sales background. I was a relationship manager, salesperson. I kind of inherited marketing as I went through my career here at Grant Thornton. But I have always looked at it as one of the same thing. You know, you, you know, you can't have a successful sales campaign without the marketing aspect as, as well. You can't have a successful marketing campaign if you're not uh, getting an ROI from it. Uh, so for me, it's always been in my head that marketing and sales are, are essentially the same. And I think the tech that we've now got available to us is blurring those lines uh, even further. For people coming in to work in marketing and sales, yeah, you just have to be across, you know, the start to finish point, every aspect, and then understand that the role that you're working on, where it fits in, why it's important, um, how you work with other people with different skill sets or different roles to ensure success of campaigns, for example. Um, so for me, that I think that will continue. It has to continue. I'm happy to share with you some of you know my thinking looking ahead into to, to this year. Do you feel that? You know, with the pandemic and, and the role marketing had to play, I mean, all of a sudden, the sales teams, the historical events that perhaps that they, they, they valued, the conferences they attended, the lunches that they used to, you know, entertain, that was taken away from them. And, and I, I imagine that put a huge amount of pressure on the marketing function to sort of like, how do we generate value again for the sales organization? I'd love to just hear from you and learn from you as to what that was like and and what are we going to take forward in 2022 from those learnings that we've seen over, over sort of 20 to 21? You know, it's, it'll be a funny thing to say, uh, Tim, but I, I was probably the most excited I've ever been in my role is when, when COVID first hit because we had no option. We, we had to flip and we had to flip quickly. And I've never been as busy as I have been in the last two years and I've loved every minute of it. Uh, yeah, we've had challenges, but we've definitely risen to every single challenge that came our way. Um, and I know uh, our business is grateful for that. But not just that, our, all our people rose to the challenge. You know, we, we put client front and first and we were out uh, proactively from day one and engaging with them to take away some of their worries um, through the process. Uh, that saw higher levels of engagement than probably we've ever seen uh, as a firm with our clients. And even when we look at some of the you know, federal budget as, a, as one of our major campaigns every year, uh, we obviously had to flip that from you know, nationally events that were being run, large-scale events, flip to, to, to webinar. And actually, our, our uh, participation rates were so much higher. Our follow-through um, in terms of opportunity development, so much higher. So you know, it's, it's been a bit of a lesson in many ways where we, we, we kept, we'll kind of look going forward, you know, where do we retain doing those sorts of events virtually against what ones do we bring back um, sort of physically, if you like, um, because there's no doubt, you know, I'd crave, you know, physical events uh, and a lot of our clients will crave it too. Uh, so again, it's, it's finding the balance, uh, Tim, uh, of how that looks for, for companies going forward. You know, I really loved how you referred to the customer and you put the customer first to think about how do we now engage the customer. And, and I wonder what, how much consultation do you think happens within the sales teams as well as to like, what is it that you need here? We're thinking of the customer, but what is it that you need? Because often you hear 
certain sales teams and certain functions say they're doing great brand stuff, but actually my customer is at this point of the funnel and I actually need more support in, in these areas and I don't see marketing providing that level of investment or support. How do you, and I think that goes back to the, that heart of the, that alignment, how do you, you know, what advice would you give to someone listening to this who's trying to work with their marketing team um, from a sales perspective? So Tim, maybe I'll just take a step back because there's so many ways to answer that, that question. It's, it's a big one. You know, there's always one piece of data I feel that somebody gets during the year that really grabs you and, and changes your thinking. Uh, and I had that last year with um, the, the people at Forrester, uh, Forrester Serious Decisions, when they shared with me, you know, the, around the, the buyer journey mapping stuff, and they have the, the Forrester buying spectrum. And essentially what they've broken down is the different scenarios for the types of engagements that you're, 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 you're trying to get. So be it from, you know, an independent sole trader to, you know, those uh, companies where they buy by consensus to be probably where LinkedIn mostly by those, those companies where there are large, large gigs and people buy by committee. Uh, for us at Grant Thornton, it, it's really that, you know, the average client for us is that consensus scenario. Uh, so the typical price range for us would be anything between 50 and half a million uh, dollars. That's our kind of average set of clients that we, we really push and aim at. And what we started to understand from, from the, the data that Forrester gave us was this non-human versus human touch. So, you know, for that buying by consensus company, how many human interactions do you need to have with them and how many non-human interactions do you need to have? Uh, and what Forrester says, it's, it's nine human interactions and 10 non-human interactions. Now, that, that really made me kind of step back uh, and look at our whole process of, are we looking at this the right way? Um, do we truly understand our clients? Are we connecting with our clients in the right way? And if we're doing that, and we're, we're sure about that, then it's far easier for us to support our salespeople, who in essence in our company are our partners in our organization. So we can give them things that they know, we know, will get cut through uh, within you know, the clients' organizations. That piece of data has changed everything. We've, we've gone and had a look at our, our content strategy. We're building our, our client personas, which I heard you talking about earlier on, Alana. We're, we're understanding, are we connecting with the right people within the client organizations and the prospect organizations? The answer was, no, we weren't. Um, you, you have to look at it holistically. You have to understand the challenges that, you know, you, the salespeople, our partners in our instance, that they're facing and then how you can adapt and make things work, work for them. If you went away and just did it on your own and said, this is it, it will make look wonderful on a piece of paper. But if you can't execute it, it's a waste of time. So it has to be done collaboratively and you have to do it in parts, is my view. So at the moment, we've got heavy focus on our content. We've got a heavy focus on our client journey and how we can help them navigate our clients navigate insights at certain points when they need them. We're working on uh, you know, evolving our sales skills, so our soft skills internally as well, because they're changing. You know, how do you connect more in a virtual world? How do you demonstrate your expertise? How do you demonstrate that cultural connection? So we're working with people on that. Ilana, as a sales leader listening to a marketer talk of this convergence and, and the partnership and collaboration, I'd love to hear your reflections or just thoughts as you're listening to this. I mean, it sounds like a dream, doesn't it? I think there's this wonderful dance between sort of sales and marketing where it's like this undulating or coordinated effort where in, a, in an ideal world, content goes out, there's a human touch, 
more of a non-human touch, a human touch to bring your client along the journey with you. You know, one of the things that we are seeing um, and where we are putting a lot of our effort um, is, is nurturing. How do we nurture those relationships, not just with our clients, but with our prospects? Uh, that's probably the biggest challenge we have to support our salespeople. Back to your, your question, Tim. How do we keep those relationships live, warm, insightful, and move them along the funnel, uh, if you like? That, that's, the, that's the big challenge. And that's what speaks to that Forrester piece of data around the non-human versus human. So how can, you, how can you take a piece of non-human content, change it, adapt it, and use it in a human interaction? You know, if you get those things uh, going right, you know, I think you'll, you'll, you'll definitely be in a better place as an organization. I suppose off the back of that as well, Fraser, understanding that they are responding to that and capturing that data in, in real time so that you know what to do with it is part of that challenge as well. Yeah, and I think one of the things I've heard from some of our you know, largest customers and some of the CMOs is often there'll be at that bottom end of the funnel, there'll be some thought leadership, there'll be some assets to for that sort of one of those human connections or uh, that you're talking around. But there's lacks a bit of visibility as to actually are the sales teams utilizing those assets and how are they actually sharing them with, with their customers. And today I'm seeing like there's a huge opportunity to perhaps provide more visibility, you know, certainly in a sales navigator with smart links. I'm seeing a lot of customers now loving the, the way in which they can track and get more visibility as to who is looking at it, but also who are they sharing it with so they get a better understanding and validation of that buying circle in the way that not only is the person using it, but how they're using that information within the organization. And I think that could be a big trend we're going to see more of in 2022 as well. Tim, I, I just wish we had that sort of analytics when I was selling when I was younger. I can tell you that I'd made myself a lot more money. I could probably retire by now. <laughs> a couple of our partners had this, you know, come to Jesus moment when they realized, wow, I've actually been pointing my offering at the wrong people within organizations. Uh, and it was real light bulb moments of change. And we actually went and spoke to some of our clients and our CFOs and some of our clients and, and they told us things like, you know, you, you need to be speaking to my financial managers about that because they're the ones that tell me what we need to do. They're the ones that recommend uh, you know, who we work with to me. I basically rubber stamp it. Understanding your buyer, understanding, you know, the influencing, understanding, you know, who's sharing information, what they're talking about, all these things, these analytics that you get now are just incredible. You know, back to you know a point earlier on uh, through this podcast, you know, you've got to have your data right. Data hygiene is really, really important. You've got to understand how you store it. So your data strategy uh, for your marketing and sales point is so, so important. If you've not got it, you're going to struggle. The granularity of the analytics, I think, is the most incredible thing from a sales perspective, but also probably from a marketing lens as well. Being able to put a piece of content out and understanding not only that your prospects or your clients are engaging with it, but they're engaging with a specific part of it that then you can arm the sales team with to be relevant to their interests is, is one of the most incredible things. And I really do wish that was around when I was sort of starting out in sales. Like, again, I echo your sentiment, Fraser. I probably would be retired by now as well. I want to pick up on a, a point made there, Fraser, and you mentioned the data integrity and, and who the customer is. And we see this often and hear this from marketing where you're looking at a, you, you know, your customer records, so your CRMs and the big names, of course, are your Dynamics, uh, Salesforce that are um, well known. And there are other players now in that, that market. 
but the quality of that information for a marketer is really important. And I often see that there's a disconnect between how sales are perhaps managing that CRM and then how marketing are leveraging that data and how effectively that is impacting the outreach and some of those touch points you're talking around. Now, we're excited what the work we're doing here at LinkedIn. We, we've created a way in which we're able to sync our LinkedIn data through Sales Navigator and our recent product of LinkedIn Sales Insights into people's CRMs to validate and identify what is true uh, a reflection and a true record of that customer. But I'd love to hear your viewpoint of that. Is that one of the biggest areas, biggest gaps between the sales and marketing alignment? It's definitely one of the biggest challenges, Tim. Um, you know, the, the better, the truer our data, the better our marketing effort can be. It's just, it's just a fact. So when when we see it, where it, it it's not it, it, it's not where it could be. It, it is frustrating and and it is challenging. But you know, being a salesperson in my my past life, I was a shocker when I was using CRM. So I've kind of got to flip my brain as to why didn't I use it? Because I didn't really see the value of it at the time. Now, of course, I do. Uh, so how to encourage people to make sure that they're keeping their data hygiene, they're collecting the right information. That, that's a struggle. And, and, and you know, here at Grant Thornton, we do it through KPIs. You know, it's, it's, you know, data hygiene is one of the biggest uh, KPIs for, for our salespeople. Uh, it's got to be a bit of carrot and stick as well. So you, what we try to do is storytell internally, you know, the why, the benefit, what you could get from this. We've got wonderful salespeople who do it really well and they're getting great outcomes. So we tell their stories internally. We get them up on the platform, tell us what you did and why it was possible for you to do that. It's a constant challenge and we're always looking for ways to get around it. You know, we're looking at the moment about bringing in more data specialists to, you know, to bridge the gap, some of the gap. And I think possibly in employing technology that removes that barrier for the salesperson so that it's not laborious in being able to keep that data clean um, is quite important as well and something that definitely I think companies will be investing in. Certainly something that we're looking at here and something that we have brought to market with our data validation within LinkedIn Sales Navigator. And I think it kind of brings it full circle around, you know, that challenge of the great reshuffle. It's not just around stakeholders moving and potentially you losing relationships within your prospects and your clients, but it's also around when you lose your own people, making sure that the data that they did import in the system is clean and is up to date so that your incoming talent is ready to rock and roll and ready to sort of ramp as fast as possible and so that marketing can continue their efforts uh, in the absence of you losing talent and bringing new talent in for the business continuity purposes. You know, Fraser, as I'm reflecting on the conversations we've had and the touch points that need to be created and the cost of the buying journey, journey, and we're seeing the evolution of how technology is changing the way we're reaching out to customers and building those relationships. I think one thing that you've highlighted and I want to learn a little bit more from is the importance of the human side. And, you know, in, in particular, based on how some of the skills that like Alana's highlighted as well, I'd love to hear your perspective of where do you see that going in 2022? And what, what importance do you see on that human side compared to some of the technology enablement we're seeing in the industry? That's a great question, Tim. And, you know, we're seeing more and more B2B companies investing heavily in tech, but it's really important that, you know, we don't take our, our eye off the ball on the human side as well and how we connect. The favourite sort of business book I, I read last year was by Tony Hughes, The Tech Powered Sales, which I'd, I really do recommend having a read. It's, it's very interesting. And on page three, of that book, he talks about big machines and what they can do, you know, about filtering big data, triggering events, 
AI task automation, workflows, etc. He talks about all that, and that's fantastic. As we said earlier on, it's taking away some of the pain points that we used to have in the old sales environment. But however, it's nothing without the humor, sorry, the human side, where you can be uh, show humor. Um, you can you know build that trust, that cultural engagement, that empathy, the insight. You need that. Uh, and probably most important in, in all of that is that ability to storytell. Uh, that's what buys people in. It's what brings people in. Great storytellers are just engaging people. And you like to listen to them. I know I do. So that ability for salespeople to storytell and give insights within stories is really, really important. Machines can't do any of that. Humans can do that. So to be able to hone those skills in our salespeople is absolutely vital going forward. Well, thank you so much, uh, Fraser, for your contributions on, on our episode. Uh, we've really enjoyed learning from you and uh, really grateful for the time you could uh, invest in helping us understand more around Grant Thornton and also the great work you're doing at ICON. Thank you, Tim and Alana, for having me. I've really enjoyed it uh, and also learning from you guys as well. So uh, really enjoyed it. Thanks again. Alana, we started with three topics today, but I felt the conversation took us in so many different directions. How would you summarize this for our listeners? So hard to do. I think, you know, we started talking around planning in the backdrop of the great reshuffle, how that's infiltrating so many different areas of our business, the evolution of the salesperson, which really creates a need to be digitally savvy and to be able to develop relationships in a digital sense. And then the soft skills that really underpin that, things like exhibiting curiosity, problem solving, uh, inclusivity, and how that sort of feeds into even your hiring practices within your organization or bringing different voices to the table to make sure that your content from a marketing perspective is is inclusive and is being able to reach uh, your, your prospects and your clients in a way that's meaningful. So, so many things that we've discussed here. I mean, it's all sort of swirling around in my head. What stands out for you? Well, I, I think it was just fascinating hearing a marketing perspective. And, and, and I think, you know, we keep hearing that the pandemic shifted the way we need to think and act and hearing how Grant Thornton just were thrust into a, a, like a lot of companies into that situation of like, you know, we've got to, we've got to, we've got to change and how motivated that was for someone like Fraser and, and how they experimented and did things that perhaps have changed the way they're going to go to when we get back into a hybrid world and, the learnings that came from that and the continuation of how sales and marketing can work closer together. And that, you know, we talk often around this importance of how do we collaborate? You mentioned the pod structure and how, you know, selling is a team sport, but I think we, we often don't think of marketing as part of that team. And I think today we started to see that marketing is, is a, an integral part of that team. And, uh, and that's perhaps going to shift how sales and marketing start to sort of work together on more of a day-to-day basis. Definitely agree. I think it's about being able to paint that holistic picture of your customer journey from marketing through to sales, through to customer success and being able to track that journey and really understand that client and prospect journey. I definitely learned a lot of things on this episode that I didn't know prior due to Fraser's input. The nine human skills and the 10 non-human, I think it is, interactions with, with our prospects and clients which is required these days to be able to actually meaningfully engage and and to be able to afford a good partnership with them.
Well, thank you for your time, Alana. Uh, your contribution has been so meaningful and it's been great to share this with you. And uh, I look forward to more time with you on our podcast, Take the Lead. Thanks, Tim. Wherever you're listening to Take the Lead, hit subscribe to get new episodes as they arrive. We've included links to more information in the episode notes here or search for LinkedIn Sales Solutions in LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.